It's time to invite Pastor David and Pastor Linda. And as they come, why don't you stand to your feet to welcome them? Come on. Can you stand to your feet? Let's welcome them. And uh, lovely. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Peter. That's awesome. Hey, thank you, church, for welcoming us so much. And not only here into your church, but also we recognize that when we come in the name of the Lord, you're actually opening up your heart. And so we want to firstly, foremostly, thank you for opening up your heart to us. um, Because we believe that the Lord speaks and um, was... You know, one of those moments, I know that I would have the freedom, but I didn't want to take the freedom. Does that make sense? And um, so during the worship and how beautiful um, our morning worship was today, but we're talking about miracles and pressing into God. And I really sense that there was somebody somebody here with um, your right knee is in pain and God's healing your right knee. So if anybody um, feels that you've had pain in your right knee... Anybody here today have pain in your right knee? Was that you? What? Does it feel better? Well, let's pray. Okay, so here's a right knee. The other one was um, left ear drum, like you've got pain in your ear or deafness in your ear. I couldn't get clarity exactly. Was that you? Awesome. And then um, there's... um, I can't remember, I'm not medical at all, so it's that tightening in nerve pain in your arms, like um, from typing, from sitting, both arms, RSI, is that right? RSI. I was thinking RSA. I knew that wasn't right. So RSI. So does anybody have that in your hands, in your, would you stand? So all three of you would you stand? And so people gather around them. You're going to be the healers of the anointed of God touching them and bringing healing. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come and we declare, God, your healing power. God, you're the one that is acknowledging these needs today. So, God, obviously, you already want to heal them. You already want to set them free. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare healing now in Jesus' name. Father, over this knees in Jesus' name, be healed now in Jesus' name. Ear be loose to be healed in Jesus' name. Spirit Spirit of God, come with your power and your might. Father, in this stretching of these um, RSI, God, in the name of Jesus, healing and wholeness now. Jesus' name, we thank you, God, for your goodness. God, we thank you for the ability, Lord, to press into you where everything comes from you. You are our Father, God. Everything, everything good comes from you, Lord. Every healing comes from you. We declare your divine healing in this place. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. So, Pastor Peter, how, how's your knee? Check it out. It clicks. It's not good to click. It's not supposed to click. Come on. Walk, walk around a little bit. Declare heal. Walk around in Jesus' name. How's your ear? You can hear. Could you not hear before? Yeah. So it's definitely better. Praise God. How's your arms? Any different? Can you tell? That's a hard one to better. Let me know after end. How? Come on. Better? Yeah. It's still going to be great, but I tell you, it's excruciating. 
All right. Well, praise God. So what we're going to believe for, and so everybody else, and, and David's going to preach, so I want to take that time away. But, um, but if you have need, Jesus is here. The whole point of our gathering, the songs that we sang today, was all about the atmosphere is changing here. Why? Because the love of God is here. And so when Christ is in our presence, this is when we're supposed to press into him and actually going, okay, here I am. You already know my need. Come on. God already knows our need. And so therefore, it's acknowledging to him that he's our the one that brings the healing. He's the one that brings the restoration. So it's not focusing on your need. It's actually focusing on the fact that I'm coming to you with my need, God, because this is a moment in time where my life can change. You can't just sing about a song, you know, beautiful. They help us. They're vehicles for us to get in touch with God. But It's when we come to him, it's like, God, you know my need, so I'm presenting my need before you. And God, I'm asking, I'm declaring that by your word, that which you've already declared, that which you've already planned for, that which is already predestined is mine, and I receive it. So then we just come in the receiving. It's the giving and receiving in a beautiful exchange of God's goodness. In Philemon, Philemon, it depends on where you live, um, <laughs> it says here in um, verse 6 of chapter 1, and I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the, through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. And what God was showing me there is that God has placed within you every good thing. And as we declare it, as we bring it out, as we fellowship with faith one to another, we don't look at the negative, we don't look at the hardships. We all have them, but we turn it and we put our focus in on him. And we have a fellowship of faith. And God wants us in that fellowship of faith to acknowledge the very goodness of God, that God's name is in you and all his fullness is in in you as well. So bless you. It's great to be here, David. Wonderful. Can, can I have my Bible back? Thank you. Linda and I have had the privilege of pastoring a church called Change Point in a place called Toranga. Anybody gone to that little spot? Around, you know, gone to the beach or, you know, different things of that nature. So um, we first came to that city in 1979 to a Bible college that's still located there, still operating And in fact, in November, uh, we're going to be a part of celebrating 50 years of Faith Bible College in that city. And so we met uh, Des Short in Los Angeles, California. We live in Phoenix, which is about a 700-kilometer drive. So we drove over across the desert, went to the the camp, and he happened to be the speaker. But um, two years before, that was in 1978, but two years before that, we met the first New Zealander that we'd ever met. And his name was Rob Wheeler. I think you know the fella. And I think heaven knows him because he's there now. But Rob spoke. And I was um, 19 and Linda was 18 years old. And uh, he just wowed us with his incredible gift and ability to open up the Word of God, teach it, preach it, and yet with power and, and grace. of one. He was linked to a woman named uh, Iverna Tompkins. And Iverna is, uh, well, we call her mama. 
and she calls us kids. So uh, 1976 was a banner year for us, and it was a powerful year because it was at that uh, particular conference. God really met us very strongly and powerfully. And then two years later, here we are in the same camp, and here's uh, Des Short from Tauranga, from, from Faith Bible College, and he is the morning speaker. And we just, um, we were there praying about Bible college, and the, we had no clue what God had up in mind. But uh, as we met him, and then we spoke to him and told him our story, he invited us to come and be students. And so we sold everything. We sold our house. Yeah, yeah we owned a house, and we owned cars, and I was already well on my way in real estate, making good money with my family and different things, when God said, this is not what I have. And so we came, we did the uh, the one-year schooling, did some practicum over in Australia, and got divinely ruined. <laughs> Anybody been divinely ruined, messed with? And, and so New Zealand got into us in a very big way. Um, and then a few years later, uh, Faith Bible College invited us out, and so we spent two years on the staff and teaching and ministry there in 1983 and 84, and met a, a man that became a great friend of mine, and then eventually he took my place, and that was Jeff Wickland, and many of you might know him as part of Promise Keepers and pastored many years here in in Auckland until recently. And so God has layered us into the country. So our ministry context, we still sound American to you. We go back uh, to to Phoenix or something, and they go, where are you from? <laughs> what do you mean? Where are you from? Yeah, there's an accent. You got an accent. You 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 talk funny, you know. And they say, well, what do you think it is? Well, I can't quite place where it's from, but it's there's an accent coming out of you. So I just wanted you to know, in the same way that people get sanctified, we've been kiwified. <laughs> All right, we've been kiwified. And not kiwi fried, but kiwi fried. <laughs> and we're grateful to God. And we've come to love, and we are now, this is home. Um, we go back to Phoenix. We've actually, a couple that we help train in the ministry is planting a change point. That's the name of our church in Arizona. Uh, in fact, today they do a Saturday night. So in a couple or three hours from now, they'll be doing their Saturday night service and various things. And so we're part of that. We've been over there a few times to, to see that. So God is doing something with us that's on a multiplying way, which we rejoice in, in different things. But we've been operating now out of this particular church, and we've walked it through four major transitions, and we're now in the fifth major transition. How many know that God changes not, but the church is not be permanent residents and parked in camp? We're sojourners. We're pilgrims. We're people that keep progressing and keep following. And so we've had the privilege of walking through four major transitions with this church. And sometimes people that have come and gone, and even within our city, we're kind of known, you know, they wonder for the schizophrenic church because with this fort, we have four, we've had four names. We've gone through four names. You know, we're in our fourth name. It's not changing. It's not changing. (laughs) It's becoming a permanent resident. You know, change point. What's the point of change? We're already at, you know, change. That's one thing you can guarantee is change. So, well, it's been our privilege. So we're, we've been pastoring now for over 27 years. The same church, the people. We've got many, many people that have, that have walked with us and still with us that were the originals that planted that church in 1983. 
so we still have them. We still have numbers of people that went us for been us for 25 years. But then we've got a whole other crew that's wrapped around the world. So we've got newbies, we've got oldies, we've got old, you know elderly, we've got newborn babes. One was just born this week. The one of two two weeks ago, another one came into the world. Another one a few weeks ago. For that, so uh, we are just blessed. And one of the things that we had an agreement with with this church from the beginning when we took it out was that we said, look, God called us to New Zealand before he ever called us to this church. And we came out of obedience to God to this nation. And so uh, we will never neglect you. Uh, we will do our utmost to steward this. And we were only thinking to be a couple of years. Well, it's now 27 uh, 27 years. Both our sons work alongside us and uh, our daughter-in-laws as well as a whole raft of, of uh, spiritual sons and daughters that, uh, that are working with us. And we sometimes pinch ourselves and just think, oh God, we are just, we're so blessed. But we are incredibly blessed to be here and to stand in some place that actually in a historical sense has incredible honor attached to it. Uh, not only to the pioneer, but also to, to Bruce and Maud and to their leadership and looking after. And I just want to honor them because, look, I, in the 90s, starting in the 80s and into the 90s and on into this millennium, they stewarded and pastored what has been one of the toughest spiritual climates in the history of this nation. It was the aftermath of the charismatic move, which this nation, this little tiny spot, God used this nation to incubate something, birth something, incubate it, grow it up, mature, and then export where it's still doing laps around the world. But we've moved on. And the toughest thing to do is to pastor in transition. The toughest thing to do is to keep things buoyant and going with vision and various other things. When in a bigger picture, the Holy Spirit is not moving like he did in the 70s and early 80s. And by the 90s, my friend, the inertia of that wave had dissipated. Now, the, it was crashing in Singapore and Malaysia and other places in the 90s and on into the millennium, but it was not here. And friends... That's what Bruce and Maud pastored in that time frame, this church. Guys, that's tough. Yeah. Ask me about it. Yeah. We know. And uh, we survive by miracles and by God just doing it. And so anybody in that time frame, friends, honor them. Because anyone that pastored in that time frame in this nation, and that's where I'm talking about, in this nation... My friend is worthy of honor, especially if they did it long term. They got beat up. They had to, they had to endure the, the flesh, all the fallout from everybody ignoring during when everything is wonderful and good. Here's our habit. We don't deal with our messes because it's wonderful. The Holy Spirit's moving, the gifts of the Spirit. You know, these meetings, that meetings, these people coming, oh, I just heard and listened to so-and-so, and I went and, and, and went to that particular church, and I went to Queen Street, or I went to here, and these people came in, and we had this convention, and man, the Holy Spirit poured it out, and, da, 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 and the Holy Spirit was moving, 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 all over this place. We went from the big places and then we traveled extensively and went to little podunk little places that hardly even have our, you know, 
They had a hall. You know those places in New Zealand where, where you wonder, there's a name there, but where's the town? Where are the houses? But it has a hall. And we've been in there, and the Holy Spirit's showing up. All we had was a little boom box, a guitar, and some overhead sometimes, singing courses that were simple as C, F, G, G seventh. Are you anybody with me? And we just sang a little bit, and the Holy Spirit go whoosh. Easy. It wasn't like that in the 90s at all. And it wasn't that way. And people would go and try to export it from Toronto or go to Pensacola, which I went to Pensacola, and it, God, it was powerful. And we would try to import it. didn't work. We would import all sorts of speakers to come out. You know, big name preachers, the Will, you know, the Bill Hybels and the Willow Creek, and we get others from coming across the ditch. We get Brian Houston making waves, and you know, and there, and wonderful, and we applaud all that. But I'm telling you, I want to honor this. I felt in the Holy Spirit today. I want to honor that as much as we want to honor our Rob Wheel. I want to honor Bruce and Maud in the name of Christ, because I know from we know from personal experience what that was like and still do. And we're coming out of it, guys. God's doing something. It's brewing underneath. It hasn't quite come up to where it's fully visible. It isn't quite there yet. But my friends, the body of Christ across this nation, just from my perspective, which is limited, is we're far healthier today. Far healthier today. Far more balanced. And we are far more realistic And yet there's something that bubbles up within you because you Kiwis, particularly, and when I say Kiwis, I'm speaking of all you that were born here to those like us who've been adopted. So whether you're an adoptee or you were born here, we're Kiwis. And Kiwi Company is coming up. And Kiwi Company is getting healthier. And Kiwi Company is going to soon break out. Okay? Now... I'm being stirred prophetically here this morning. He's given me permission. All right. I'm going to try to do it in a timely way. I've already used more time than I intended, but I wanted to honor you in Jesus' name. Because sometimes in our perspective, when you come to pastor in the shadow of an apostolic father of a nation, that's tough stuff. And they did that. So well done. Well done. Let's give him a hand. If I was to write a story or a play or a movie or take you to any movie, let's call it a good movie, not a blood and guts movie, but and maybe not a sicky woman, I mean, excuse me, <laughs> romance one, sorry, but something with a little bit of action, you know, to satisfy the manliness. But it was under theme, is a, it's, it's actually a love story, but yet there's there's some strong things, there's some violent parts, there's some difficult parts. When we write a narrative, a story, what you're going to have is you're going to have an introduction. 
And in the early parts of that movie or that play, you're going to be introduced to the players. You're going to be introduced to the themes. You're going to be introduced to different things that are going to have an ongoing influence of ebb and flow. So like a three-hour-plus movie called Lord of the Rings, which is a long movie in comparison to most that are an hour and 30 to two hours long, it's pretty much standard issue. It's going to be, you know, an introduction, and then there's an introduction of the players, and then there's going to be appearances and reappearances and then other things of this nature. So if you take the Bible and we look at the Genesis and we put it within the context and the framework of a, of a play, Genesis, in the book of Genesis, is the introduction where we get introduced, how did this planet come to be? How did it become what it is? And then we have the introduction of the people that are really are the parents of all human race, Adam and Eve, and the story, and then the, the tragedy of that that enters in right from the outset, a tragedy that is actually laced throughout the whole story, that's going to influence the story, that's still influencing the story, and the story is still being written. And we're part of it. And so from the beginning of Genesis, as you pass it through and the ebb and flow and the seasons and to the heights and to the depths. And I've been working my way through the the books of uh, Kings and Chronicles. And so I'm at the very last part of Chronicles, which is the narrative that's about almost a 350, close to 400 year look at a nation that starts at the pinnacle and the rise of it in the kingship arena, and then from that to its, its ebb and flow, and, you know, the Israel break off and the Judah. And so you get the gist of the story, but every step of the way from, from Genesis 3 all the way through, there's a, there's, a, there's a seed coming, there's a person coming, and, and he's given different names. He's called Shiloh, or he's called the branch, or he's called innumerable different prophetic things to give us a clue that he's coming. He's going to be the one that's going to actually pull things together and he's going to make sense out of stuff that are actually confusing in this still early beginnings of this story that's being told. The greatest love story that has ever been on the planet. So it's happening. And then it finally comes to the appearance. 300 different prophetic Uh, starting in Genesis chapter 49, that he's coming. 300 says he's coming a first time. 800 that says he's coming a second time. 300 scriptures fulfilled to the T that he's coming a first time. 800 that says he's coming a second time. And so in the first coming... He comes and he starts to pull all these themes and he starts to come and helps us make sense in a human form. He's the storyteller. He's the autobiography of God. He's the one that's coming to start to make sense out of what is absolutely evil to its core and absolutely infected the human race more than they can even detect and know. It's so deceptive and it is so rampant and it has so infected us that we ourselves are deceived and duped in not fully understanding to how sick we are. And it took Jesus, the purest ever, 
to come along and be held up like a mirror to say, guys, I need you to take a look at yourself. And then dying on the cross, he brings together all these different themes. He's the seed of the woman of Genesis 3.15. He's the absolute fulfillment of it. He's the one that's come to fulfill. And he's the one that's going to use a cross to crush the serpent's head and give him a permanent dent that he'll never recover from. Now, if we're writing the story, we would have wrote in early on in the book of Acts that the sucking of coming of Christ would have already happened. If we were writing the story, he would have come no later than the end of the first century. If we were writing the story, then we, he, we would have wrote the story before the big split that came Orthodox this and Catholic this and other things. If we were writing the story, we would have never let the church ever go through the dark ages. If we were writing the story, we would never allow certain other things to have happened that were tragedies. We wouldn't let certain things take place, but we're not. So what I want to do is I want to do within the next few minutes and then I'm going to finish bringing some prophetic insight that I feel that my wife and I need to give you as a church to wrap this up. But that's the scenario. We're in the midst of a narrative. Your life is in the midst of a narrative. Whether it's the small picture or the big picture or this picture or whatever size of picture it is, there is a picture of pictures that trumps everybody else's picture. There's a story being written whether you like it or not. Whether you vote on it endorse it or fight it every day of your life whether you love it or hate it it doesn't matter it's still getting going to be written because there's a person behind it who's the writer not you you're not the writer of it you have the freedom to cooperate with it or not you have the choice to be able to do it or not but it's not your story and it's not you writing it and the lord has a masterful way of making it look like you're in charge when you're not at all he has a way of making you look like you chose him when it was him who chose you. That's our father. He's not a manipulator because his motivation is absolutely pure. It's from the deepest pool of love that is in the universe. That's him. So he's writing your story. And you're in this narrative. So I want to take you to one little scripture passage. And then I want to speak about it to help you, because here's my goal. I want you, sir. I want you, ma'am, back here. I want everybody across this whole thing. I want you to be able to take your personal story and see it attached to a bigger picture. To the story of stories that's still being written and being played out. And you have been handpicked by God. Your story matters to God. You've been hand-picked, hand-placed perfectly to fit within the narrative on your watch in your generation in this place. And it includes this church and it includes you individually. That's how big our God is. So Ephesians chapter 1 is this little scripture path. I'm going to use the New American Standard because it actually, according to my looking at it, in my opinion, is the most accurate English translation of this verse. Others are good, but they have different things that don't capture. There's a, a capturing 
of this one verse that I want to just unpack for just a few minutes to help us. And it's verses 9 and 10 of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, and here it is. It says, He made known to us the mystery of His will. Notice that word mystery. This is a mystery novel. but It's not a novel. It's a mystery. He made known to us the mystery of His will. According to his hind intention, which he purposed in him. So he wrapped all the themes, all the Genesis themes and everything. He's placed them into a single person called Christ. He's the holder of all the mystery, all the tensions that the mystery creates. It's found in him. He's the author of, finisher of our faith. You ready? So here it is, verse 10. With a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is, it goes on to explain itself. The Bible doesn't always explain itself. It says that is what? The summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. So let's take this play, this narrative. First of all, Genesis 3 was not a surprise to God. Because it says that Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. So somewhere in this, this tri-unity of three persons that are so one, they're called one God. So oneness. The oneness is so one, they're one God. Yet three distinct persons. And in co-counsel with each other, they've planned meticulously. They knew you. Your name was there. You go all the way through the history and you talk about billions. I mean, you talk about capacity. We wow ourselves and get wowed by some capacity of some human-created computer, my friend. It hardly comes up even the biggest and the brightest and the best that they're talking about that are not far off of being able to almost live and breathe. That's how close they've come to be able to work in computer world, to bring it It's not far with its artificial intelligence and its capacity to not far off from breathing. And yet, it's one little pinky's worth, maybe, of a capacity of our God. So let's not sell him short. He stood, and he was not subject to time. There's no timelines. This is eternity past. They planned, 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 walked through every time, every time frame, every seasonal shift, every sort of thing, every ethnicity, every various things, all the things they knew about the Tower of Babel, they knew what everything is. Those things are all ready for when those things happen in the free will choice of man played straight into the narrative that God was ready for, prepared for all of it. So here he comes. And it says these words. The Apostle Paul was seeing something, and so he was writing something. And he's saying, he made known to us the mystery of the will, according to his kind intention, what he purposed in him. And here's this word, with a view. What was in his viewfinder? What was he seeing? And what was he looking at? Okay, what's the view? The view is a perspective that God has towards something. It's a goal. It's a people who are going to be ready and prepared, 
who are going to be alive at a certain time frame in this storytelling of this long narrative. And he says, I've done all of this, including sending Christ at the fullness of time. At the right moment, it says Christ died for us. Galatians chapter 4. So in the right moment, he sends Christ at the fullness of time. It's perfect timing. And yet it's with a view towards something that actually extends itself even more to than even that. That's as great as that is. Friends, that's not the pinnacle. The cross is not the pinnacle. The resurrection is not the pinnacle and it's downhill from all there. Not from how God thinks. He did all this, revealed the mystery, did everything according to his will, according to this in verse 9, with a view, and that view included you. It took into account you. He knew every day you would live. One day I was moaning some things because I've had to overcome and go through a whole heap of stuff that I'm not going to bore you with as such. And it's not been easy. And one day I was sitting there feeling like a failure. Anybody ever felt like a failure? I've touched those feelings from time to time. I still touch those feelings from time to time and I have to shake them off. I was feeling like one of those moments where I was failing when the Holy Spirit whispered into my heart and he said, I chose you at Omega. Now, a lot of times when God speaks and he speaks to me, he'll use some sort of thing that's kind of mysterious. Well, what's one of his titles? He's Alpha and what? And Omega. Well, Omega just means the end. Here's what he was saying to me. It got me. It still gets me. He said, David... I didn't choose you at the beginning of your life and look forward. I went to the end of your life and looked back, and I've been calling you forth. I made a provision for every failure. I made a provision for every abuse. I made a provision for every dark day. I made a provision for depression. I lived two years fully depressed in the ministry. I don't even know how I made it. I have hardly any memory of the years 2002 and 2003 at all. He said, son, I made a provision from here as Omega. I know how you're going to complete the journey. I've already gone and seen the end. I know how you're going to finish. And I know how the last chapter is going to be written. And there's going to be some dark ones and there's going to be some things here. But I've made a provision every step of the way. Man, I'm sitting there bawling like a baby. Crying my eyes out saying, Father, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you chose me. And so we are placed and positioned into a narrative because it's with a view towards something. And what does he say, the view? The second one is, the, it says, an administration. He uses this English word, administration. It's a Greek word called okonomia. We get an English word. What do you think it is? It's called economy. Economy comes from it. And it literally means to steward and oversee and manage something that you didn't generate. So the government is overall in our country charged with a stewardship and responsibility. They're not on their own in this, but in an overall sense, the governance of the land is responsible in how to manage and steward and oversee something that they actually don't generate, they spend. (laughs) But they're called to oversee and help steward In this particular thing, it is not just a governance word, even though it's packed with governance and management. 
So here's wrap our brain around this. What it is, it's a relational word. It's a, it's a rich word. So it's not just economy, kind of like something that's out here unattached. It's about people who've been handpicked. Listen to this, because this is where it applies to you. People who've been handpicked by the master of the house to actually run and steward and oversee and manage what he generates from a kingdom standpoint and steward it into the earth, to steward it on the planet. So your ordinary, boring life that you sometimes go on feeling like, what in the world am I doing? Why am I here? Why am I here sucking air, taking up space, me going to work, fighting Auckland traffic in Jesus' name? All that stuff. My friend, I'm not just here to pump you up. I'm here hoping like crazy that you'll get a glimpse of something that's grabbed hold of me. It's moved from me trying to grasp it to where now it's got me. I can't get away from it. I wake up with it. I don't measure my life in time units as much as I used to. I'm not sitting here measuring it with goals and everything and time management this and time management that. I've been taught all those sort of things from, from business days 40 plus years ago. I tell you what I'm measuring it up against. God, am I in touch in this present day with the purpose? Am I in the play? Am I cooperating with the play? Am I still within the narrative that you wrote? That you've made a provision for this very day. So I'm here. Linda's here. We're here because God saw it. God planned for me. Knew what I was going to talk to you about. Planned for all of that. And is gracing me right now with an anointing that I feel very strongly. To help bring you into an understanding. And marry you up to a big picture purpose that then you can take. If you'll get this, you'll take it. And you'll start looking and measuring your life more appropriately. Then you don't get so moved when it doesn't quite meet your expectations. Then you don't get moved off just because a tragedy happened over here or something you thought or you hoped and you prayed for and it didn't happen, didn't happen. Those things don't stop the narrative. They never have. And they never will. The devil throwing everything he can possibly that's under his jurisdiction at the church, at people, at everything, has still not yet been able to sabotage the narrative and the story that keeps marching on. Generation by generation by generation. And you're in this picture with a view towards an administration to a people. Because the administration is not an economy. He's saying to a people of economy. A people of stewardship. A people who have a capacity to fight with the right hand and the left hand. Who have a balance. Who have a maturity. Who have cooperated with the Holy Spirit in their worst days and their worst nightmares. And grabbed hold of a grace that's available to them. And let it school them. Let it train them. Let them minister to to them and help grow them up into Christ so that he can put his closing ceremony and his closing narrative and where he starts to say now's the time I want to start wrapping it all the way back from Genesis all the way I want to start pulling it all together and I need a people 
that have been prepared by my Holy Spirit to be ready for that moment. So are you ready? I don't always feel ready. So I understand if you sit there and say, Oh, no, (laughs) I don't feel ready. The point of part of this message is that getting a confidence that's not born of self-confidence, but a confidence that my master, my father, my mentor, Holy Spirit, knows exactly what they're doing and that they've got a big picture story that in it also has the smallest story, which is mine. Totally thought through, planned through, prayed, all of it is there. Planned for, thought through. Fully prepared, because that word suitable, the next one is suitable. Suitable means compatible, it means relevant, it means up to date, it means current. It means in tune with the times. Freed from the past, present in the present, and filled with hope for the future. Freed from the past, present in the present, filled with hope for the future. You mean that's all in that one verse? I'm not even hardly scratching it. An administration suitable to what? The times. Suitable to the times. That word times is not chronos. It's not chronological times. It's kairos moments. Suitable for moments. That where kairos moments are like this. You, you, you take your life, my life, where we have daily for 27 years pastored a church through great seasons, winter seasons, summer seasons, harvest seasons, not so nice harvest seasons, seasons of this, seasons of that. You've seen quite a bit in 27 years. And we're still in the game, which is a miracle. So we're still unpacking the story that God has planned. With a view towards something. So let's take this thing and say, Expression Church, which is what you're now known, Life Church before that, Oakland New Life before that, You're not schizophrenic, are you? No. Name changes that indicate seasonal changes. Here's here's the fine print. You ready for this? God plants something that he gets jealous over. That's a kingdom plant. He uses flawed people, good people, righteous people. And he plants something. And it's not contained in a building. It's not in carpet. But it's, it's in hearts of people. It's carried by groups. It's a group effort. It's not just an individual here and there. It's a group effort. And what they do is they carry something that is like a spiritual foundational stone. And they're carriers of it. And God is jealous over it. When you be jealous of it, he takes personal issue if somebody tries to destroy it, tries to move it, tries to unearth it, tries to call it irrelevant, old school, you name it, and it's all been said, he doesn't care about any of that. In other words, he doesn't take note of any of that. He's not moved and shifted like we are. He's dialed in. 
So something happened in the beginnings of this church that God did. He's jealous over. And so it's come up. Am I right? It's come down. It's come up. And it's come down. And God is not unmindful of that. And he's not got capacity and grace to throw his arms around and massage people who get wounded and get hurt and get disappointed. It's part of the narrative that's not going to change. But the big picture of purpose of God that's attached. This little planting of the Lord in little old Auckland, New Zealand. Right here among this people 50, 60 years ago, I understand. Something like that. That God did. God did it. Has been incubated, cared for, watered through tears, intercession, prayers, fastings, preaching, prophecy, worship music, styles, all sorts of things. He's used to keep it nurtured. For what? With a view towards a moment of time. It hasn't arrived yet. Now, God doesn't measure things like we do. He's a generational God. What God started in Abraham, my friend, did not get fully com- completed till almost 1,500 years later when Christ came. And still hasn't been totally fulfilled. So God doesn't look like things like this. So we get marked by 40 years I've been around here. Yes, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm part of the furniture. I'm a permanent resident. <laughs> I change is not like God. <laughs> I honor you that have been around a long time because you've been holding something. And God will come along and he'll bring someone and stir you up. He might even use something that's being said today to encourage you, to strengthen you. But you're holders of something with a view. Listen. With a view towards. That's not back here. Your best days are not behind you. At all. And in the narrative and the storytelling, the black strands, the not so nice strands, the hard yakker strands are woven into the narrative to give it depth, to give it quality, to give it things. But friends, it's all for a purpose that God back here planted it, has kept it alive for this moment right now. And I'm saying, and we're saying, you, God handpicked you to take a handoff and to take something you didn't generate, but to take it now, honor what's honorable, pull it up and pull it out, and then put together with God's wisdom. Okay? Structure systematize certain things to a degree, but to wisely help, steward, counsel, pray with, talk to you, correct, rebuke, train, equip, make full proof of your ministry. Don't let anybody look down on your youthfulness. Amen. Don't, don't let anybody look down on your youthfulness. Stand fully in what God has... 
for such a moment as this. Don't live in the shadow, but live in the light of the grace that God has put on you and prepared you from over there to in here and together and down there and now up here. He's prepared you for such a time as this. So that this place, this people, that are carriers of an apostolic prophetic blend that's got teaching all over it, training and equipping all over it, that he's put into this place and has been carried and stewarded by many that are sitting in this room for a long time in human tears, but a short time in the light of the big picture for now. Yeah. So this is who he chose. Get behind him. Undergird him. Honor. Bless. But pull out those things that need to go forward. There's other things that need to be stayed. And God's given this man and his wife the wisdom to say that doesn't need to come with us. And be careful if you start bellyaching too much about it. I've watched God down do a similar thing in the church that we've now survived four major transitions, and I've watched him do this. People right out the door. Me complaining every step of the way, because I love them. And many I liked. And I saw their talent and their gift and their potential. But they had an agenda that wasn't in keeping with the narrative that was compared and in line with a big picture that was planted by flawed but good, righteous people that he then entrusted it to us to draw it out, to tear down infrastructure that was too narrow. You're not having to do that as much to the glory of God. But it's for such a time as this. Because here's what the word is. Then unto you come, is this. God says to this church, there's a delayed harvest. He wanted to give it back here. But it would have ruined that generation. It would have gone to their head and pride would have been the result. Pride comes before what? A fall. So God in his mercy didn't. Because he knew what it would do. And then he brought a couple that would know how to nurture it and keep it alive and walk through when in a bigger picture it was tough as anything and transition and bring certain emphasis and to water and to water and then righteously let go. Not abandon. Let go. And then God says, South Island, come here, boys and girls. It's now your turn. I'm a generational God. I plant here, I water here, but it's me who gives the increase. So how sovereign is your God? How big is he? If he can run the universe. One day he said to me, I was wrestling with some problem. I, I tend to sometimes worry. Anybody understand that one? 
Fear was one of my big battles, and I still sometimes have a little momentary excursions with it. And man, one day, he just said, David, 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 give that to me. Lord, why? He said, David, I'm already running the universe, which means I'm already running your universe, which includes that. So you don't need to carry it. I'm already carrying it. And you're in my way. Let it go. Let that person go. Let that problem go. Live lighter, son. Enjoy me. And enjoy the fruits of your obedience. And love on them and be happy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Has this been helpful to you? Linda, would you come? We want to pray for for Peter and Cara. So I had Linda to lead this. Would you be willing to just stretch your hands towards them? But just stretch your arms out. No yeah. pressure, Maud, but yeah. would you come? Yeah. <laughs> it's good to see you, sis. God bless you. Thank you. Amazing. <laughs> Father, God, you are... Wow. ...the Redeemer of all things. God, we stand here in this moment, Mm. Lord, even acknowledging the timing of this. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God, that we none of us could put together, Lord, what you desired for today. Father, we step, we Lord, we experience this holy moment, God, of the transitioning, Lord. It's not the fanfare of a a new beginning, but God, it's a transitioning of something, a weight of your glory, transitioning God now, Lord, to Peter and Cara, Lord, a greater understanding for the congregation of of what it looks like. Father, a view for a future that is not what it once was, but God, it's different. And God, we place, Lord, and we acknowledge you in this place, God. And Father, we pray for Holy Spirit, that which you've been waiting upon. Because God, you are waiting And Holy Spirit, you have been waiting for this moment, Lord, of understanding to come. God, so that you, Lord, could fill this space. Holy Spirit, we invite you, Lord. I know that there's intercessors in here that have been praying for years and years and years. And God, they that, Lord, we know that their prayers will not go unanswered. And it is thy will. And so, God, we step into this moment. This moment in time time. where you are present. And God, we fill this moment with you, God, with your intentions, with your glory. God, for that harvest that, Lord, you promised many years ago.
Lord, may it spring forth. God, may it come forth. And Father, I pray for the laborers, God. It's not about Peter and Carr at all. God, it's about every single one taking up their rightful place in this place. God, and those looking to the harvest and seeing the work that needs to be done. And Lord, girding up, God, there and putting gumboots on. And Father, putting their hats on and putting their gloves on and getting to work, God. And calling and bringing forth the harvest in. Father, so many times we want you to do it all, but God, you said, no, it is for my people to do. I provided everything. And so, Lord, we ask, Lord, for you to breathe. Yeah. Breathe a fresh, a fresh move of your spirit. Breathe, God. Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. In the prayer room today, as we as we walked in, I just had that sense that Lord, you Whoa. you just wanted to breathe your life, and and uh, and like David said, he's God's already carrying everything, so he just wants a new life, a freedom to come, it's just a release of the freedom, I'll, and I just see just even Jesus right now the walls, Lord, that have been binding yeah. people together, and even fear, and and Father, just just like I'm not sure where it's going, I'm not sure where it's going. Can I be part of this, Lord? We just pray that all those thoughts that have bound them, Lord, just be washed away right now. In the now. name of Christ. Just, Lord, every wall, Lord, that has been erected, Lord, to come down. So, Lord, there's nothing more beautiful than a beautiful breeze that flows through a house. And, God, may you flow through this house. Thank you, God. Father, we do thank you. We do thank mm, you. Thank you, God. And as we pray for mm. Peter and Cara, Lord, I want to pray for this church. Every person who's here this morning, and then those, Lord, who are unable to be here, who are part of this, we include them. We put the arms around every single one of them. We forget sometimes, Lord, that the church flowed out of your side. The blood and the water as that piercing, that was the church. That was the, the actual birthing of the church came out of the side of Jesus in the same way that woman came out of the side of the original man. The church has come out of the side of Jesus. As it was pierced and you flowed out, your life, blood, and water flowed out, gave birth to this. And so, Lord Jesus, we contend. Lynn and I come alongside and we contend in intercession today for God what resides within each and every person here, the potential to carry, to carry. Thank you, God. I, Thank you, God. One other thing I want to say to you, church, is this, is that God has people groups mm-hmm. in Auckland, mm-hmm. that God is going to use some of you to become mm-hmm. carriers of God's presence and carriers of his good news. Mm-hmm. And God's going to use you to build connection yeah. and relationships, whether yeah. it's through, through community action or mm-hmm. social various ways or whether it's various things. That God says, I have a variety of arsenal and Thank openings you. for you and appointments. And he's wanting to heal you as a people. Thank and he's been doing that. But now is a commissioning coming mm-hmm. where he's saying, I want you to get your confidence 
so you can step across the aisle, go across the room, extend it to somebody, and then even go boldly to inviting them into this very building. Not to say that is the ultimate expression, but God wants a family, always has wanted a family. And he wants this church to be a family again. And to come together in family so he can bring people who are broken and march them into that is not healed by just a counseling program. They're healed by the presence of God residing among his family. Lord, I speak that out. I pray for that. We pray from that from our church change point to here asking God you would do in a similar way what you've been doing with us you would do here and bring it forth for one reason, for the glory of God. So God, that what you planted comes full term, goes full circle, passes through the death cycle into the resurrection cycle, and Lord, then gets exalted and raised up, not for pride, but Lord, to bring glory and honor to your great name. In Jesus' name, anyone who agreed with that, would you say amen? Amen. 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 Thank you. I just have one other thing to, um, to say um, for you as a church. I know we've been through so many of these growth transformations, and, and um, it's not easy. But if you've been a part of this church for a long time, the challenge that God will bring to you is when the harvest, when new people come. Because many times they'll come with their gifts, they'll come with their talents, they'll come with their freshness, they'll come with a desire to get involved. And it's at those moments that don't be the elder son in the story of the prodigal father. Not the prodigal son, but the prodigal father. Don't be the elder son and saying, well, why didn't I get the party and why didn't I get this? And realize that you've always been here, you've always had God You've always had this church and this family. Make room in your heart. Make room in your heart for those coming. Because the bigger your heart, the bigger your outreach. So if you have a big heart, well, then every seat will be filled. And you're going to have to get more seats. And you're going to have to do more services. And it's going to cost you something. But you will be in that narrative that God has for your life. Wow. Amen. 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 We're part of that narrative. We're part of that story. Yeah. Amen. Who's been blessed? We are a family of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God a big praise. Give him a hand. Come on. Hallelujah. Yeah, let's uh, thank Pastor David, Pastor Linda. Come on, give them a hand too, please. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God's doing something in our church. It, it, it's we are. I feel that it, we are in the season of drawing plans, and uh, we need to capture the plan of God. Because if you don't capture that then when we go build, it's going to be quite confusing. Yeah, with the view. Amen. 
So we're in good season. Hallelujah.